0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Time to crack the
1: Frosties. It's a post-game party. Game 7 post-game edition of Spits and Suds. Here we go, people. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside d magazine chap shocks chap shots i'm so excited the book is called we win here he's sean shapiro together we celebrate tonight we will take your feedback later on mr shapiro how are you feeling
2: that was uh that was a fun hockey game yes like you you talk about the you talk about game sevens, right? And you talk about this is why you played the game, all those – every other cliche you can rip out right now, right? But you know what? It was just fun. That was a fun hockey game. And it was uh, – I, I it was one of those games where I know it was a 2-1 final, but it didn't feel like a 2-1 game. If you're, if you're watching, if, if, you, if you watch that game and obviously had a little bit of the drama at the end because of when, when would Dallas score was kind of, but it was never a question of if Dallas would score or if they would win, it was more of a question of how would they win? Like, that's what this game felt like. And that's the way you want your team to win a game seven of the playoffs. And that yeah. that's, that's fun right there.
1: So had a couple people over to watch the game, Sean, and with 30 plus seconds left, Um, I said, there's no way they're scoring two goals. This thing's over. Yep. (laughs) And when they scored that first goal, everyone in the room looked at me and I said, I have nothing to do with this. You know, I mean, (laughs) that stuff happens, you know, everything, madness around the net. Um, So it was just, you know, uh, let's, all right, let's start from the beginning. Some lineup changes, uh, a lineup change that we expected. Yanni Hockenpah out, Colin Miller in. Um, A little surprise Delandria with the scratch Glenn Denning in and Kivi Ranta played tonight. So wanted to get your thoughts initially about the lineup changes.
2: Well, first off on the Hockenpah, it's, I thought it was, uh, (laughs) it's kind of not sneaky, but like, I don't know. I don't know how hurt Hockenpah is. Yeah. But the they announced literally after warm-ups ends that he's a lower body injury. And so I, I don't know if they're protecting his ego or if they're finding a loophole. So post-game and going into the next game that the coaching staff always has the uh, has the out of like, hey, he was hurt. It wasn't a coaching decision when it really... <laughs> It was, it's hard for me to believe that it wasn't a coaching decision. Um, the uh, other one, Glenn Denning, I kind of, I I, man, I want to give myself a pat on the back. Yep. I mentioned this after game six, where I wouldn't have been surprised if uh, he was back in tonight, uh, just with the veteran stuff and being. And the fact of the matter is, with, 14:15 seconds left or whatever, it was a 2-1 game in the defensive zone. They've got Glenn Denning taking the defensive zone draw. Um it is uh I mean it was I'm actually I was a little surprised Delandrio was the one that would come out. I thought yeah, maybe I was too. like like I wasn't surprised Glenn Denning came in. I thought maybe Kiviranta would come out or something like that. Uh but Glenn Denning comes in, he brought things he helped kind of smooth some of those things out in the face-off circle world where, where Dallas actually needed a little bit of help after game six and uh it was it was the right move both of them were the right move I thought it's not that Miller was great but Hocken but overall Hockenpah needed a night off whether it's whatever reason you want to say, whether it was for really the injury or coach's decision, whatever, it doesn't matter. Either way, I think Hockenpott needed the night off. Miller came in and stepped in well, and I was going through it and watching this game, Gavin, and to me, the biggest thing about this whole game and all of the defense is a part of this, obviously, and, and Miller's part of this too, but the fact is you look at where the shots were and you look at... The shot attempts and everything like that. And you look at Dallas's, like if you spray chart it, and I did. If you look at if you look at <laughs> if you if you look at where Dallas shot and look at the spray chart, you saw the high danger area, you saw getting to what they call the home plate zone. You saw them getting to the crease. And Seattle was getting nowhere near there. They were Jake Ottinger got a pretty good save percentage in this game or whatever, but really this was all about the defense. And how much they just completely stifled Seattle tonight. And that's why I don't think, I'm sure there's definitely some people who are feeling nervous and everything like that, but that's why you're watching this game. You don't feel as nervous about whether this team was going to win because it wasn't like they were getting goalied on one end by, uh, they were getting goalied on one end by, uh, by Philip Grubauer, and then giving up lots of chance on the other end, they were they were locking it down, and they were just kind of waiting to finally break through against Grubauer, and they eventually did.
1: Yeah, yeah, I uh, I, I like Delandria's energy, and I'm you know I mean they had a lot of energy tonight, so clearly Pete DeBoer pressed the right buttons. Um, I do like Delandria in there. Uh, I agree with you uh, when Foxa took those two draws. Um, I was surprised Glenn Denning was not on those first two draws. And then after the goal, I was glad to see the center ice face off was Glenn Denning. And then, you know, the right circle uh, toward the end of the game was Glenn Denning as well. Boy, that was a scary moment. If that puck, if that puck goes near Eberle, that's a tie game. That, that side of the net was open, but uh, I thought Jake Ottinger played well. One of the things tonight, Sean, that I liked about Jake Ottinger was, A, we talk about the calmness, but one of the things that might not be brought up was the directions of, or the direction in which he deflected the puck throughout the night, the quickness as far as making the save and getting it to his defensemen in a swift manner. When the dump-ins happened behind the net, he always hit it to the right side where his defensemen were. So I thought he put his defensemen in really good position positions tonight, and he did it quickly.
2: His rebound control was really good, and one thing that Ottinger has really taken a major stride in over the last couple of years is his puck handling, um, and part of that is a testament to uh, you give credit to the work he's done with Ben Bishop um, over the past couple of years in puck handling, and that's something where two, two years ago, two seasons ago, that was a weakness for Jake Ottinger and now it's a strength. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute, but just even you talk about 200 foot plays that lead to goals, the goal that sets up the rope the at goal, it starts with a smart, simple puck handle by mm-hmm. Jake Ottinger. And that's a play where Jake Ottinger of 18 months ago doesn't make that play. And so he has really—is he the best puck handling goal in the NHL? No, but he has really turned, created, it, turned it into an asset as part of his game. And in a, on a night like tonight, when what was the what were the final shots he faced? It was he faced twenty-three shots. I would argue that with because of Ottinger's puck handling he probably faced four to five less shots because of what he did tonight. So um, it's huge credit to one of those things where it's the shot totals. And obviously it's a year exactly removed from the 64 save game against Calgary. So he's not the headline maker tonight, but his, his work as essentially the quote unquote third defenseman back there and helping the defense in their transition needs to be noticed.
1: So, At this point in the podcast, before it gets too far, I do want to credit Seattle.
2: Yes. Uh,
1: Heck of a run for a second-year expansion team. What they did in the first period alone, 13 block shots. um, They were laying out the body, putting everything on the line. They kept coming. I mean, we saw what they did with 30-plus seconds left, almost tying the game. Uh, Just uh, Dave Haxtell, his staff, um, just just the team, I mean, to take out the defending Stanley Cup champions. And, and, and you know what? They played really hard. They played physical. But, you know, I mean, am I right saying, Sean? They played clean. Um, and, you know, I don't think other teams are dirty necessarily, but I think the, you know, the way they checked was to take the man off the puck. And I thought they did a really good job of that. Um, that third line once again showed Yanni Gord, how special he's become as an NHL or so. I just wanted to give them credit because they gave the stars all they could handle. And uh, it was just a terrific showing from this expansion team.
2: It was. And I mean, they, um, I know Dallas had a lot, had the shot opportunities, the shot quality was so much better for Dallas tonight, but I think one of the reasons Seattle was still in this game and was a shot away from tying it was in the first period. Look at that penalty kill. Look at the way they sacrificed the body. Look at the way that I think they blocked like nine or ten shots on the on the penalty kill. Um, the uh, the way they get in on the forecheck, the way they play, like this Kraken team was built, and I talked to someone the other day about how the Kraken were essentially built for the playoffs. They were a team that, and part of that was by necessity. They don't have the superstars. Maddie Beneers may get there, but they don't really have the superstars. So they had to build a team this way and full credit to what they did and how they, uh, and how they came together that way. It's, it's a team that's going to have an impact on this league for a long time. It's a great market um i mean it's there is you talk about year two and the long-term build and where they're going like it's you got to be excited about if you're if you're a hockey fan and i know it's hard to it's it's uh it's hard to be uh like you don't like you want to just celebrate Dallas right now, but as a hockey fan, it's exciting to see where Seattle is—is is what Seattle brings to the league going to the future. So yeah,
1: yeah, you're absolutely right. So the Stars hit a couple of pipes in the first period, and uh, just one of those games where it was up and down. I mean, no scorer in the first period, but boy was it exciting. Thought the crowd was into it at times, packed barn at the AAC. Um, so we go to the second period. Two penalties in the game. I I guess if it's a game seven, um, they're not going to call a lot. I actually didn't see a lot that was missed. There was one that I thought 13-minute mark. uh, I thought clearly that was interference on Dodonoff as he's making his way down, but no call there. But uh, both teams really didn't get a chance to establish their uh, power play. Uh, So I thought it was fascinating. You know, refs just kind of let them play. But honestly, Sean, there really wasn't any kind of like dust-ups extracurricular activities it was a really clean game
2: yeah 100 really clean game it was complete focus on the hockey if you want to put it that way um it's uh i i really liked the way dallas just focused on things that way because i think they kind of got pulled out of it a little bit the past couple games i think they they came into tonight and they played hockey. They didn't overly think about things. And to the star's credit, that's, that's, that's important. Um, I really liked how um, I I liked how each line really came with a purpose tonight for Dallas. That's something that I think you noticed a lot of Um, there was uh, up until the, and up until the third period when they did start to play to the score a little bit, the first two periods, they didn't get really disgruntled or they didn't get upset when when they weren't finishing. And um, it was a good, clean hockey. It, it yeah. really was. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing that I started to see in the second period, I don't know if you noticed it, but I started to see the ice opening up, which opened up mm-hmm. chances for the Stars. Yeah, And that's kind of a continuum that we've – Uh, constantly discussed where open ice was favoring the stars in this series. So Grubauer was coming up big stars had a lot of chances. Uh, I thought they did a good job as far as getting in front of Grubauer. um, And he made some terrific saves. The stars kept trying to go over that right shoulder of Grubauer throughout the night. You saw that several times. Sagan had a good chance. Uh, Ben had a good chance. Um, they finally break through, and actually both goals were on clears. The anticipation of Rupe hints with where that puck was going and the hustle of Rupe hints to take it away from Alexiak. I think the Stars caught a break. That puck knuckled, so to speak. It just stopped. And maybe it was the ice surface at that point, but at the same time, I mean, those breaks are going to happen. Alexiak didn't slap at the puck, just tried to carry it. Uh, taken off the stick by Hintz, breakaway, and where does he go? He goes over that right shoulder of Grubauer to make it one to nothing. Just a terrific shot on a breakaway. You know what I love about him is just the speed on these breakaways makes it really tough for Grubauer or any goalie for that matter um, to stop because they don't know where the puck's going. So Rupe Hintz moving up on the list as far as goals in this playoff. Just an impressive playoff run from Rupe
2: in unfortunate bounce that Alexia can't handle it cleanly, but to give credit because you create your own luck, right? Yep. Play comes in. Good little pass by Ottinger to Essa And Essa did something that I really wish Essa Lindell would do more often. Um I think it's part of I think Essa has that in his arsenal. Um, but I don't think he uses the high flip enough. Um I think it's something that depending on which coaching staff he's worked with in Dallas, sometimes he was more of a high flipper than others. And so he, at one point, S Lindell iced the puck more than any other player in the league. And he, that's not the case anymore, but at one point that was the case. And there's times where he's under pressure. And I think that Lindell should better utilize the high flip like he used tonight. Yeah. It's a play where even if Alexiak handles that cleanly, it's not the end of the world. It's you're still regrouping and going and everything like that. And so credit to, as, as of right now, as we're recording this, I'm going to re refresh the game sheet right now. Cause I'm still surprised that Lindell and Ottinger didn't get assists on that play. I know technically Alexiak touched the puck and everything like that, but if we're going to give assists when, a guy shoots a puck and it goes off a goalie's pad. And like, like to me, like, I felt like, I felt like Lindell and Ottinger should have gotten points on the play. Um, It's credit on the high flip. Um, The minute that Alexiak misplayed it and hints is barely down on him, he's done. And you mentioned it's uh, it was, it was almost like it almost felt like kind of a reverse psychology thing tonight on Grubauer with the, uh, with he was really good with the glove tonight and typically the scouting report on philip grubauer is to shoot high glove Um, there was a couple moments tonight where grubauer made a couple really nice glove saves he had that on lockdown and you look at the play and like i went back and freeze it and everything like that and i don't know whether it's what's coincidence once causation is always a fun thing, right? But the, yeah. but, but hints, instead of going high glove, like the stars had been in those situations, goes back against the grain and you see that extra space above the right elbow on the stick side. And it's, and it works really well. And um, it was the type of play that you kind of needed to beat Grubauer on the way he was playing. And, but man, like rope, ahead, like I, I actually got really annoyed now, Gavin, like, I understand Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are two MVP winners, but like, I, I kept getting very annoyed when on the broadcast, they're like, Oh, he's right up there with the Edmonton Oilers guys. Like he's, he, <laughs> like, he's, he's been one of the best players in the playoffs Yes, for two rounds. The other guys got eliminated last night. Like they're, there's no peer. He doesn't have peers right now. Like that's like I was, I I, I kept hearing that where it's like rope hints is right up there with Leon Dreisaitl and Conor McDavid. Like, like I, I get that, but that's what you say. If you're trying to talk to someone who has not paid any attention at all, if you're broadcasting this series, like you don't need the modifier of where rope hints has been. He's been that good. Like he's, yeah. he's the he's like right now he's the con my favorite. Like just honestly, like yeah. he went through the four teams. He's the Conn Smythe favorite and it's, 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 <laughs> it's, he's, he's getting, he's becoming the uh it's funny because obviously Barkov is still in the playoffs. Right. But like we always talk about Sasha Barkov as being the uh, as the most underrated player in the league. Everyone, uh-huh. always, every, everyone votes for him, even though he's really one of the better forwards in the league. Like we have, we have that same case now with, with hints is like, the rest of the world is finally paying attention, but the broadcast isn't sometimes. And that just annoys me to a bit. So off the soapbox, get us back on track. No, no, I think, (laughs) I think you're right. I mean,
1: absolutely. I, you know, I asked several people and I just said, listen, I try to take like an objective view, but I just felt as though the Seattle storylines controlled the narrative of the TV broadcast on ESPN. I didn't see it as much on uh, TNT, but I did feel as though that was the case. Um, So, you know, I just think with Hintz, I think a lot of us knew that this was here. I think the question, and you and I had talked about this prior, was just the health. And he stayed healthy. Yep. And that's the key with Rope Hintz. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, I mean, they were different injuries, but he just couldn't get on the ice. And now he's been on the ice on a consistent basis. And uh, man, what a terrific goal. So the Stars go up one to nothing. And. You know, back and forth play, open ice. um, Once again, not really a a physical game, no penalties. And then we come to another uh, basically, you know, dump out of the zone, but Wyatt Johnston very smartly gets the head start. Mm -hmm. I think kind of, I mean, tough to criticize a lot of what Seattle did, but I don't know how a Seattle allowed Wyatt Johnson to get past them, but also not only allow him to get past him, but then allow Wyatt Johnson to curl in and do what he did, which was a terrific root job up top over Grubauer, hit him in the shoulder that was on the glove side and then hit his shoulder and went in and just a terrific, terrific play from the skilled 20 year old or 20 year old. And that made it two to nothing. Wanted to get your thoughts on that play. Once again, yeah very surprised that Seattle allowed that.
2: Yeah. I really would have liked to see um, what's the view in football. They call it? it's the all 22, right? Or yeah. like the, like I, that, that's one of those where I would have loved to um, have the uh, kind of have, have the, uh, had the look, had that view to kind of see when that route started. Cause we talk all the time about, you and I've talked all the time about Johnston's, Route running, basically. And this would have been a really good way to kind of distill it and see how it ran. Um, because watching the game, and I rolled it back a couple times, you can see um, when Dadanov goes into the corner and he goes to pick up the the puck, you can see him check over his shoulder and scan the ice. And you can see the whole play. And um, Johnson is already out of the screen at that point. And so I would love the full rink angle to see... Where Johnston is when Dadanov does that shoulder check, I would I would love to see that because I would love to be able to sync that up to get an idea of exactly how in tune they were. Because Dadanov does that, then takes about five or six strides and then then throws the, the the basically the hard dump pass all the way down, and and Johnston picks it up. I would love to be able to sync that up and, and get a good look at that, um, and hopefully and maybe over the maybe. I'll get a better angle I can dig up over the next couple of days, but we're obviously recording this right after the, the sh- right after the game ends. And I don't have a full production team uh, on board right now for this soon, show. John, soon, soon, soon. soon, soon. Uh, so I would have, I would love to see that. Um, that being said, let's talk about the finish itself because that is an all world, pl- all world finish by Wyatt Johnson. He picks the puck up off the boards. He comes in, Grubauer, he catches Grubauer in a weird no man's land where Grubauer kind of loads up against the post and at the same time is trying to think about the pass at the same the him to cut across at the same time and and Johnston trusts his backhand and does it. It's that's an all-world like that's an all-world finish, that's an all-world goal. I mean, this you talk about the storylines, the kids celebrating his birthday, like I guess do we still call him a kid? He's 20. I don't know what the technical yeah. term. He's no longer no longer a teenager, but I mean, it's it's kind of fitting, right? Like how one storyline jumps into the next, right? Wyatt Johnston is the one who scored this goal, but Dadanov has the assist on this, and he's going to be the guy, and we'll see. He'll get his his revenge chance against Vegas later this week. So it all it puts it all ties it all together really nicely.
1: It's actually going too fast, Sean, because. I remember talking about 18-year-old Wyatt Johnston. Now all of a sudden he's 19, and then he has a birthday 20. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this guy's going quick. He's going to be 21 before we know it. Pavelski said after the game on TV that uh, they had a nice celebration for his 20th birthday. And um, he did say, which I think is so cool, he's like, when Wyatt scores, it's just extra special. So clearly the bond that has been developed with that family is just awesome. So it's, yeah. it's a terrific
0: story. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.